conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Welcome back. It's 10.37 on uh, SAFM. You're listening to The Talking Point on SAFM. Join the conversation whenever you want on the studio line 86-000-2032. That's 86-000-2032. The SMS line 41391. That SMS is 1Rand50. WhatsApp 061-410-4107. We are on Twitter. We are at SAFM Radio. I am at KG Mwegezi and hashtag SAFM. Talking points. So this morning, because uh, it's consumer talk time with Lionel Makokotela. This morning, Lionel is dealing with some of the questions that you have been sending to him. Also, you are more than welcome to engage with Lionel on some of the consumer experiences and questions that you may still have even today by calling that line that I just gave 086 2032 086 2032 or the WhatsApp line 06140. 4107. Lionel, good morning. Good morning, KG, and good morning to the SFM listeners. So I'm going to go through the questions, okay, because today's show is about the listeners and uh, we're, we're answering the questions that they posed on yes. FWCEGAVAS. How do you say it? It's FWCEGAVAS. So it's basically oh, yes. savage spelled backwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, savage spelled backwards. Yes. Yes. FW- yes. So F- we just, it's, it's a pun. Yeah, I see now. FWCEGAVAS at Gmail or on the number 0656931291. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and answer as many questions as uh, we possibly can. First question is I got a cell phone on contract, right? And currently can afford the contractual obligation. What can I do? Um, the simple answer to that is that you can actually cancel the contract. However, when you do the cancellation of a contract, just be, bear in mind that there's actually can, uh, what we call cancellation fee. Cancellation fee, it's what then the uh, service provider would have actually gotten uh, had the contract have gone uh, throughout its duration. However, given the fact that you're not going to be utilizing the services, uh, all of them, the uh, service provider has to be just and uh, also um um, fair in basically charging you the cancellation fee. So, for example, let's say that uh, you are left with six months of uh, maybe 24 months contract. So for the six months that is actually pending, it's what then the cancellation, uh, cancellation fee is going to be applied to. But uh, to that uh, extent, because I know that when it comes to contracts, there are quite a lot of uh, issues that it tends to happen where people sign contracts, but uh, within the cooling period, they can actually cancel cancel the, uh, the contract without actually uh, attracting any pers- uh, uh, to penalties and, and so forth. So it is very important that consumers get to be empowered to know that uh, there are various, uh, for each contract that you sign into, there would be a, a, a law stipulating insofar as then the cancellation fee or the cooling, what we call cooling period. For example, if you've got a fixed term agreement, you've got 20 uh, business days notification where you can actually cancel uh, the contract without actually attracting any pet, uh, penalty fees. For example, if it's a direct marketing, it's five days. If it is, uh, for example, uh, for, for another example, it's for now that uh, holidays are just coming, people have booked for uh, um, holidays and you'd find that uh, by the time they, the time arrive, 
they don't actually have the means or uh, there might have been uh, circumstances that change their uh, traveling arrangements. So there would also be another, uh, no limitation in terms of uh, what the, the cooling period is when it comes to advance uh, booking. So they, uh, they, the, the service provider would actually just uh, take a small portion of the money that have been paid thus far so that uh, they can actually not lose as well, but reimburse you the remainder amount. Yeah. So and then the, the, there's another question. The, the next question reads, I was blacklisted and needed a car for work purposes. In order to qualify for the vehicle, I managed to get extra money into my account. Today, I cannot copy. And given that I lost my job, uh, I am I am to be bl- am I to be blamed? Sorry for the approval of car sales, which led to my financial challenges i'm reading this again i was blacklisted and needed a car for work purposes in order to qualify for the vehicle i managed to get extra money into my account today i cannot cope and given that i lost my job am i to be blamed for the approval of car sales which led to my financial challenges hmm okay Lionel. it's a very it's <laughs> it's a very interesting one because when i actually investigated further or uh, with regard to this uh, uh, listener it was actually, uh, I found out that the money that was actually coming into his account was not his money. He was just basically uh, getting money into the account and he would flush it back to them, the, uh, to the rightful owner of the money. So what he did was actually trying to mislead uh, the, uh, the sales guy to simply say that he is actually able to qualify for, uh, for, for the vehicle mm. whilst he knew himself that he actually did not qualify for the vehicle. So in this case, it's a question of if it were to be taken to court, he would have to state everything under oath where he has to be able to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So what would actually happen is that uh, most uh, um, uh, credit providers, they're so smart that they can actually see when people are actually uh, lying insofar as their affordability uh, ratios. So it would be a question of him having lied, knowingly lied to the service provider, trying to really make it upon that he gets the vehicle whilst he knew that he was actually unable to afford uh, the vehicle. Mm. In this case, unfortunately, the bug stops with the uh, consumer in this regard because he uh, he fed then the, uh, the, uh, the the garage wrong information, which led to the approval of him getting the car whilst he knew that he was actually unable to afford the car. So um, misrepresentation is a serious crime and it can actually land you into hot waters uh, because it's the same thing as uh, people lying about the qualifications on the CV mm. whilst they know that they actually do not have those qualifications. So uh, you, you, you kind of like see that, that, that similar pattern where people now are feeling the pressure of wanting to uh, uh, hang around with the Joneses mm. and they actually try to manipulate their financial position just so that they can actually get into debt, knowing that they, the moment they get into debt, they would actually be severely affected by that debt. Yeah. And then there's another interesting one uh, that says, I made a payment on a link that was provided for 200 rand. Within a few minutes, my account was debited with an amount of 8,900 rand. I contacted the bank and I was told there's nothing that they can do. Is this possible? It is very much possible. This is actually what we have found to be, uh, it's actually uh, called phishing. It is where you get SMSs or emails uh, from what 
would appear as if it's a legit email address. But if you read further, you would see that the uh, the www dot uh, let's say igavas.co.za, uh, it's not igavas.co.za, uh, it would be igavas.z uh, something, 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 where you'd find that people actually have stolen uh, somebody else's domain and try to actually fish money out of uh, people and uh, for their own selfish gains. So what normally happens is that the, uh, this um, fraudsters would uh, look at uh, institutions such as your uh, post office, your your banks, for example, and they would simply give you those links. And most people, because they don't really pay much attention or read the email, all of it, they would actually click onto the link. Once you click onto the link, you give them access to your account. Mm. And the more and, and the other thing that banks have actually opted to do is to give uh, clients what they call OTP number, which would be the SMS that you receive onto your cell phone when you want to actually make a financial transaction online the moment you actually click on uh, you punch in the uh, the code onto then the the link banks have got no any other business in so far as approving or disapproving that uh, payment because it means the moment you punched in your otp number you have given them authorization to transact within the fraudster however in most cases what uh, you can do as a listener if you find yourself in this situation is to either phone your banker to try and reverse the um, uh, the transaction this would come at a cost uh, in some cases, if you are unable to actually get uh, the the, uh, the reverse transaction um, uh, to 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 actually take place, you can actually open a case at the um, uh, at a, at your nearest police station. Go to then the bank and then submit then the uh, the case number, and the investigator would actually try to find out who then their fraudsters are. But in most cases, you would find that uh, the uh, the SAPS do not have the resources in terms of actually dealing with the large number of uh, fraud, uh, fraud transactions that are actually taking place. So in most cases, clients tend to lose their money as a result of this. And I would actually urge our listeners to pay as much attention as possible to doing online banking. Make sure that you verify the banking details. Make sure that the email that uh, you have received is from an authorized uh, a service provider or an authorized uh, service provider that you have dealt with previously or you are aware of the service that they actually are saying that you need to pay for. Because the moment you fail to actually apply your mind to such uh, uh, issues, it becomes very difficult to actually recoup your money. But in some cases where the bank is at fault, they would actually reimburse you the money. But most of the time, people tend to lose the money as a result of this. Sure. And then there's another fascinating one, because a lot of people are in debt review, right, since uh, yes. COVID and the impact that COVID has had on people's finances. So I'm reading now, it reads, I've been in a debt review agreement with three creditors since January 2020. I had approached a debt counselor after realizing my over-indebtedness on loans. Based on your advice, I do have a copy of the magistrate's court order and one certificate of balance. I'm still awaiting others. Upon perusal of the court order, I was surprised <clears throat> to note that three out of four of those agreements have tied me to a repayment period that's between 88 months, seven years, mm 
<laughs> and 118 months plus nine years. During my initial consultation with the dead councillor in December of 2019, I had agreed to a 60-month period, five years. What can I do uh, to address this anomaly? Surely this is the main source of the heavy additional interest burden on the outstanding balance. Sure. Uh, yes, uh, this one was quite a, a very interesting one because first and foremost, before he actually got into debt review, the court order was already granted in favor of the service providers. So what normally happens is that you'd find that consumers um, have uh, been neglecting to pay their debts. And uh, in, in so far as them having to approach the debt counselor, they actually do it once it's too late. And the moment you actually approach a debt counselor once it's too late, uh, this is when uh, the matter is before the court and then the court order was granted. There is nothing that the debt uh, counselor can actually actually do to stop a court order and then uh, that the moment then that a, a court order is being granted that becomes a legal issue so in terms of then you being over indebted we need to honor what then the court has stated in so far as the court order uh, pertaining to how much you are actually going to be paying on a monthly basis however if a client feels that the court order is actually unjustified they can actually appeal the uh, the ruling. And to do that, you would actually need to approach a, a, a lawyer who's actually going to draft then the legal papers for you and approach the court and make it upon that they actually try to uh, set the court order aside. Once the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, they set the court order aside, this is where you, uh, then they can actually ventilate out then the merits of what you are st stating versus what then the court order is stating. And then this would be done before a judge who would actually make a ruling if then the court uh, order is actually the new court order is actually in your favor this is where then uh, they would actually look at the overall scenario in terms of all your debts uh, under one uh, umbrella to see how they best can actually approach it going forward so that uh, you can actually have a normal lifestyle going forward because you would find that uh, in most cases the the court order doesn't actually include all the debts that you have but it's mm. only those who are actually proactive enough to actually go and approach the courts to actually want to recoup their money. And this is the serious problem that most people actually tend to have whenever they approach a debt counselor. But then the other, as the second stage of the whole uh, scenario is that when people go and approach a debt counselor, in most cases, they don't come with all the documents. They don't furnish uh, the debt counselors with all the information that would actually inform them to make the right decision. Some people would state that they are over indebted, but once you actually do an assessment to see if they are over you'd find that the person is actually not over indebted, but they are actually misusing the money by actually focusing their money on unnecessary items as opposed to the essential items that ought to be uh, looked after. Okay. So when we Lionel, look let me quickly go to break and then allow you to finish your thought when we come back. Tweet at SFM Radio and at KG Moegeti. Welcome back. It's 10.53. It's Consumer Talk Tuesday with Lionel Makokotlela. And most importantly, Lionel was uh, responding uh, to that question regards the listener who's in debt review, in a debt review agreement, and uh, uh, finding out that actually uh, the repayment period is longer than what they anticipated. And Lionel, you were saying it's because they approached the debt counselor late. 
Yes, in most cases that's the case, and in some cases uh, you'd find that uh, the the uh, client would not necessarily furnish the uh, debt counselor with all the uh, the uh, the relevant uh, documentations that they would need to actually do an as, as assessment to see if then those debts were actually issued uh, rightfully so in most cases you'd find that uh, clients get to be over indebted as a result of reckless lending from creditors mm. this is where what, when we talk about reckless lending, we're we referring to creditors who do not who do not do a credit assessment to see your affordability of a debt. To simply say that if I were to give you X amount of money, in in so far as what you are claiming to be needing, in some cases you don't even need the money. They actually call you to say that you qualify for X amount of money, mm. and they make sure that the amount of money gets to be arranged and available at a specific period and you tend to take that and then only to find later that once you actually now take the extra burden of this amount of money it lends you into uh, what we regard as uh, over indebted most of the time people don't uh, uh most creditors don't actually do those uh, credit assessment which then leads to people becoming over indebted and uh, the courts have actually been harsher on creditors who actually do not do credit assessment uh, of clients before they actually issue them with uh, uh, loans and in most cases you would find that the client would be uh, not uh, eligible to pay the debt in some cases they would not be eligible to pay the interest that they've actually been uh, charged they would only pay the primary amount uh, amount uh, that was actually issued out to them. Then there's also uh, what we would then regard as um, um, over indebted assessment, uh, where we then look at whether the person is actually married in community of property or out of community of property. And in most cases, you'd find that the other party who is actually married to this uh, party who's actually over indebted does not even know. And in some cases, they start getting to be harassed by then the creditors because they are the easy target uh, in so far as them having to be able to answer their phones or in some cases answering their emails, which they actually did not even know what was actually happening in the first place. Mm. But the truth of the matter is that people need to be very mindful in terms of what information they feed to their credit providers, especially when it comes to the financial uh, decisions, because that information will actually make it much better for one to craft a suitable solution based on what is actually going to be a way forward uh, once that has been paved. 10.57, we've got a caller now in Durban because I think we've covered all of the questions. Uh, am I correct or not? Uh, uh, y- y- let's hear from Tobega. Tobega in Durban, hi. Hi, okay, Jean. Hello to your guest. Yes. Hi. Um, actually, uh, a bank of two banks, and one of which is f and I'm almost going to sound like a broken record. I am a blind person. Um. Now, there are, I know that F&B offers, like, uh, I know apart from the stock store, there are other products where, like, NAV money, where you're able to invest for a little bit, 10 rand. But now... Um, Chabaga, you do know that the, this is a consumer talk, because uh, the, the stock files we finished talking about in the previous hour, you know that, right? Yes, yes, I'm aware. Okay, okay, sure. So now I'm trying to find out, okay, obviously, let me just, my mind went, can we turn off both gone now? Um, but my question is concerning um, if, uh, like, a person, you lose your sight, because something that happened to me, 
um, I lost my sight and then there are some accounts that were open in my name, but now it's not me that opened the account. Mm-hmm. Now um, you get shops calling you, but now I'm like, I can't, I can't, I didn't go there physically and open the account. So you see, you find yourself owing 5,000 rand to shops. So you lost your sight and somebody took advantage of that and opened uh, accounts in, in your name. Yeah, I've been at it for like the past ugh, it's been three years now. Like yeah. I get calls all the time. Sorry, have you actually approached the bank? Have you actually approached the bank like uh, inside and speak to a consultant to actually explain your situation to them? Um. It's just, I didn't know that the service is available. Okay. Um, Ma'am, uh, this is what, can I, can I, because uh, due to time, I'm so sorry to cut you because I see that time is not on our side. I would advise you to actually uh, visit the bank at the branch uh, uh, closest to you. Actually go and sit down with a consultant and uh, they must actually do an investigation to find out where the, uh, the accounts were opened, who actually signed for the uh, for, 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 for the accounts. And in most cases, also ask them to actually review your debit orders just so that if there are any debit orders that you would like to dispute, you can actually dispute them at that, uh, at that very same branch where you'll be situated. Then uh, in the event that there was a fraudulent activity that was actually done utilizing your information, please ask somebody to accompany you to a police station where you can actually open a case, a criminal case of a forgery or either a stolen identity where then you take that uh, case number to then the very same uh, uh, bank where you actually were uh, assisted and try to see what they can actually do to actually assist you in that regard. All was that helpful, ma'am? Yeah. All the best, Tobega. Okay. Okay. Uh, Lionel, we've run out of time, uh, but yes. thank you. And then those contact details again so that people can keep sending these questions through to you. It's fwcegavas at gmail.com. Uh, That's e uh, fwcegavas at gmail.com or zero six five. 6931291 65 Thank you Lionel. Lionel Mukokotela and uh, Lionel Mukoko is the founder of Financial Wise Corner. It's 11 o'clock. Zolega Kotasha is standing by with the news.